welcome to the third episode in the series, Population Health, The Unfinished Journey with David Kendig. Sandy Magnin here again. I'm here with thought leader in population health, Dave Kendig. Hi, Dave. Hi, Sandy. Back to be, have, great to be having this ongoing conversation with you. Yes, absolutely. So Dave, thanks for sharing in the second episode, the story behind your book, Purchasing Population Health, Paying for Results. And maybe to recap for people who haven't had a chance to listen to that or they listen, what were one or two highs and lows uh, during that time? Well, sure. Um, anyone thinking that a sabbatical is a vacation, <laughs> they've got, they've got, and I think occasionally they are, but they've got it wrong on, on this one. I, I, all the things that I learned um, were really intellectual stretch for me. Um, and maybe uh, maybe a high was, as I described last time, that neurochemical break um, that came when all this stuff started to come together um, into what became the book um, was very satisfying and fulfilling and a mystery to these to this day. <laughs> oh. Well, that's a teaser for episode two, if I ever heard one. So let's uh, pick up on that story because I heard in episode two, that part of your journey, an emerging definition of population health. And that's what this podcast is about. What is population health? So tell us more about that original definition of population health. Yeah, thanks. Um, I've always thought that clarity of basic terminology is important so that we don't misunderstand each other. I mean, actually, because a lot of these ideas are complicated um, and actually going forward, we'll be talking about common ground. I mean, I think it relates to common ground as well. So we're sure that we're um, communicating effectively with each other, particularly when we have differences of opinion. So um, as we mentioned last time, there was no definition in, of population health in the Evitz and Stoddard paper and book. They mainly considered it to be a field of study of health determinants. Bob Evans um, thought that any outcome definition would be too complicated and controversial to sort of deal with the, the amazing man and scholar that he was. Um, that one always surprised me a little bit, but coming from the six months in York, I was totally steeped in outcomes measurement thinking. So to me, it had to be an outcome definition, but reflecting, balancing multiple determinants combination of my work in York and in Vancouver. So the original book definition, now hold on, this is a mouthful. Um, <laughs> we fix that later. The aggregate health outcome of health adjusted life expectancy, quantity and quality of a group of individuals in an economic framework that balances the relative marginal returns from the multiple determinants of health. We'll return to many of these ideas, but I realized that one is a mouthful right at the beginning. It included a specific measure 
of population health, in this case, health adjusted life expectancy, as well as consideration of the relative cost effectiveness of resource allocation to multiple determinants. This emphasized that there are investment trade-offs um, that required an economic framework that balances the relative marginal return um, from the multiple determinants health from while less appreciated as a hallmark of population health thinking, the economic trade-offs are equally important. If resources were unlimited, we wouldn't have to make investment choices, but they are limited. You know, that's a, a point, Dave, I think people don't appreciate often. And particularly when you're thinking at a state level, as I was as commissioner of health in Minnesota, is that every time you put a dollar in one pot, you know, there's less of a dollar to go in another pot when you're trying to do a balanced budget at a state level. So I really like that you put this in an economic uh, framework, but I'll, I'll let you keep going there. Yeah, and we'll come back to that in a little minute with my terminology paper. Um, there was, just back to the book, and the there was one book chapter on disparities. It was called Different Populations, Different Needs, but it was not the equity or disparity part was not yet part of the definition. This came when we rewrote the definition in the 2003 definition paper. So how did that book definition evolve and, and become simplified? into the widely used 2003 definition and your most cited publication, which is now I think even referenced in Wikipedia. Yeah, um, I don't know. I don't know how you get into Wikipedia. I didn't do it, but yeah, I, I, <laughs> you, you'll find it there. Um, so in uh, fast forward to 2003, you know, another um, six years um, in the what is population health article, which is my what most widely cited population health article, Greg Stoddard of Evans and Stoddard, and I simplified to focus solely on general health outcomes, including disparities. So we boiled it down to the health outcomes of a group of individuals, that's the, that's the overall mean, including the distribution of such outcomes within the group. That's the disparity or equity part, even though it doesn't use those terms. We were thinking broadly about groups of individuals, suggest that these were often geographic, but they could be other groups like employees or ethnic groups or disabled persons. Um, at the time, the population health definition or uh, word term had not been applied to the realm of enrolled clinical populations, but we'll get to that, um, get to that later. By 2003, Greg and I believed that the increasing emphasis on the social determinants had led to an underemphasis on specific measures of health outcomes. In response, we developed our shortened, simplified definition without the earlier emphasis on the multiple determinants of health and the economic trade-offs among them at the definitional level. Um, some could argue that the multiple determinants are so fundamental to population health thinking that they deserve a higher definitional status. 
I believe, however, that um, including the determinants in the definition could lead to confusion between the outcome goal and the determinants needed to achieve that outcome. This point is so important that the county health rankings grade the health of America's counties on two components, reported overall outcomes, such as low birth weight, and the factors determine those outcomes, such as access to care and child poverty rates. So Dave, I think it's interesting to note uh, that the National Academy's Roundtable on Population Health Improvement uh, adopted the definition that you cited. And I'm just going to cite it one more time. Um, quote, the health outcomes of a group of individuals, including the distribution of such outcomes within the group, end quote. And I think it's really important to note the distribution of such outcomes within the group. Correct, that, that's the equity and the uh, <clears throat> disparity part. And we'll come to much more on that in uh, episodes seven and eight. Yeah, yeah. I'm really pleased actually that um, it's had that staying power. As we'll hear later, some other ideas haven't really maybe uh, caught on quite as much yet, but um, you know, I was honored that the IOM would use that as the definition for its roundtable. Yes, absolutely. So how do you see, we're gonna contrast this definition of population health in the next two questions. So how do you see population health similar yet different from public health? Yes, thanks for that, that question. Um, and uh, what I'm gonna read comes out of that paper, what is population health paper? I wrote this paragraph very carefully because there was some confusion about this. Um, some people in public health may be thinking that we stole their field or their ideas and just relabeled them. Um, we underscored the importance of traditional public health as a determinant of health, but we observed, and now here's the quote in that paper, much of public health activity in the United States at least does not have such a broad population health mandate, even in the assurance functions of public health. Since major determinants such as medical care, education and income remain outside of public health authority and responsibility. And current resources do not often allow adequate attention to traditional and emerging public health functions. And I think that has, uh, if you see it that way, um, some of the controversy about um, were these competing ideas um, should be cleared. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> Traditional public health is an important determinant of health, but it's not all encompassing of population health. Um, so, so let's, uh, so let's do another comparison. How is population health different than population medicine or population management, which are terms you hear often used in healthcare? Yeah, 
uh, and this is important to clarify, um, particularly in, in 2022, because um, there is some confusion. Um, the, the past decade, <clears throat> um, starting in, the, in 2008, show, um, saw the prominent development of the triple aim, Don Berwick's um, important paper, which proposed three linked goals within healthcare, improving the individual experience of care, reducing per capita cost of care, and improving the health of populations. Those are the triple aim. This framework, which got lots of appropriate attention, um, provided a boost in the use of the term population health. And Berwick, as the head of the Institute of Healthcare Improvement, and then later running CMMS, Centers for Medicare and Medicaid, led many healthcare organizations to describe the clinical, often chronic disease outcomes of enrolled patients. And as you indicated, many clinicians and medical managers have begun to use the term population health management or population medicine. For example, the Symphony Care website defines population health management as, quote, the iterative process of strategically and proactively managing clinical and financial opportunities to improve health outcomes and patient engagement. Many progressive healthcare organizations are doing cutting edge population health management, but are also working with other partners on total population health across geographic populations, such as the approach uh, health partners has taken in the Twin Cities. In such cases, it would be appropriate to label these efforts as population medicine, expanding into total population health as was defined by Jacobson and Teutsch in 2012. Dave, I, I know you've always said that being clear on definitions helps us in our strategies and our next steps. So I think being clear about population health, public health, population medicine, population management, um, total population health, uh, as Jacob Senator should uh, discuss it as geographic populations, that those can help us make certain that we're creating the strategies that will address each one of those. Uh, well, I hope so. And uh, we'll come even further uh, next time to some other definitional work. Yes, yes. I know you've written an entire paper on the definitions and concepts, so we can be really clear. So that will be coming up in a future uh, episode. And yeah. I also know that uh, well-being was in that Evan Stoddard paper. We'll deal with that as well as we'll have a couple episodes on equity. Um, so stay, stay tuned. Was there something else you wanted to say here, Dave? Um, no, I don't think so. Okay. Well, let's summarize. We're at the end of this podcast. Let's summarize our takeaways. First, you define population health as a health outcome concept. Some combination of mortality, morbidity, functional status, as well as disparity or equity differences across subgroups. 
Second, it implicitly recognizes that such outcomes are produced by multiple determinants, not just medical care. And then the third takeaway is population health management refers to health outcomes of enrolled clinical populations, but often it can be limited to healthcare quality. Is there anything else, Dave, you wanna to add to those takeaways? Um, no, I think those are good for this particular episode. We'll have more to come. All right. Well, Dave, thank you for describing how that definition of population health that is used over and over again, and you still, you still see it. As you said, it's been a lasting definition uh, for decades, and I think it just grows richer with age. But it sounds like in our next episode, things were not always rosy. And the next episode is titled The Lonely Years. Well, yeah, um, that period, um, maybe following the 2003 paper and forwarding for six or seven years, um, I gave quite a few talks on what is population health. Um, but there wasn't much attention and, and take up. Um, I, uh, I felt like um, I was pushing the rock up the hill <laughs> in, that, <laughs> in that period. Well, listeners, please join us next time for hearing how Dave was moving that rock up a hill in uh, episode four, the lonely years in the series, Population Health, The Unfinished Journey with David. Kendig. You can find the references for today's episode and more in the show notes at www.iaphs.org, Interdisciplinary Association for Population Health Science website. Thank you. Thanks, Danny. <laughs>